When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of The Blue Turf. This is Thad Bell from The Blue Testament. With me, I have Eric Bergrud, my co-host, Comet's color guy and soccer extraordinaire knowledge for the indoor league and elsewhere. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing fine. Getting ready. All my Christmas shopping's done. I'm waiting to get in the mail. I ordered myself a Comet's Christmas tree, and it's supposed to arrive by 9 p.m., one of those ceramic trees. Ah. So. Assuming it, it arrives, I'll probably uh, post some photos on social media. That's cool. I have stuff arriving still, hopefully, but the next thing scheduled is in the middle of the blizzard. So who knows? Who knows? All right. We have, I think, a lot to talk about today. Uh, just a very uh, a very quick synopsis. Two games over the last weekend, uh, following the same pattern on the road with a loss, coming home, getting a win. The... Uh, Two games now in a row at home where they've held the team scoreless in the first half. And we could dive in a little bit deeper. What did you see this weekend, Eric? What stood out for you? So when we gathered last, that I said the Comets had one task in Milwaukee. It was taking the game into the overtime. And they got within less than a minute of doing that. They were down six to one. Things looked bleak. Then all of a sudden... Comets adjusted and put their foot on the on the pedal. So um, the first half, all sorts of defensive crises that took place. The second half, much better. Saw Lucas Sosa with a hat trick. Togba has been terrific this season. Uh, Five-game goal-scoring streak, six goals. He's been great. We saw things starting to click, tie the game, and then – lose it in the last minute. But I think that what they took from Fridays is the understanding that as a team, they need to work together and they can overcome, came back home uh, to take on the St. Louis ambush. And although the score got a little bit tight, it it was still a comfortable three goal win against St. Louis on Saturday night. Yeah. I, I had some family stuff going on, so I did not see the first half of the wave game live. And then, honestly, I turned it off right after uh, they scored to get the lead or take the win. So I, I did not see everything. We'll, we'll come back to that probably later. Uh, uh, Lucas, uh, he seems like he's becoming the uh, the anti-wave guy. Well, he, from on the field, that was one of the best games I've seen. He uh, He obviously can score with both feet. They're using him in all sorts of situations. We saw him score the game winner against Milwaukee here in overtime the previous weekend and uh, three goals against Milwaukee up there coming from behind. He scores with his left foot. He scores with his right foot. He makes it look fairly easy. Sometimes he presses and you can tell when he's pressing, he tends to send his shots up into the, into the netting or into the, into the audience. But 
he seems to be zoned in right now and I could see him going on a roll. Oh, definitely. But I, I just, it seems like he uh, likes to score on the Milwaukee. So if right, you have uh, to pick a, pick a team to score against, that would be a good one if you're the Comets because that rivalry is getting, it was already a serious rivalry. It's getting intense. Uh, almost ridiculously intense, it seems. But we'll, again, we'll probably come back to that later. Like you said, uh, they came home, played the ambush relatively comfortable they they held the ambush scoreless for the first half uh, again second game in the row they've done that so the defense is seeming to step up this year a little bit and that's even with missing uh ray lee's been injured uh, uh richard smerman's been injured uh chase bromstead has he missed that game uh, you know they've they they don't have some of the bigger names they had last year that had stepped in for a while matt lewis uh and McCloggan, for example, but the defense has been much more solid. I would say, at least in streaks this year. What what do you see in that? Well, well I'd say a couple of things. I mentioned Togba. Togba has been terrific both ways. So in Milwaukee, in addition to seeing him score, we saw him chase from behind Ian Bennett on what could have been a breakaway. And so you have somebody with his speed who can play two ways. John Sosa has been terrific last year in this. We know he can score, had a uh, very deceptive free kick goal against St. Louis. Uh, it's always good when you when you have a three-man wall in front of you and you can make somebody duck and just put it over his head, and he did that. But I think he's getting a, a little bit more strategic on how he defends as well, just so that way he's not having to go back and forth, back and forth. I thought O'Dane Sinclair on Saturday was terrific. He had a wonderful back heel pass on a goal. He got turned by Huffman on that game-winning goal on Friday night, but I thought he was really solid on Saturday. And so there have been lines and lines of players doing their thing. And uh, I, I think I've said this a couple times now, that it's going to have to be a team approach this year. And I think we saw that on uh, the second half of Friday, and we definitely saw it during Saturday's game. Absolutely. Uh, that that goal by Sosa – I was uh, shooting from the opposite end on that. And I have, I I think kind of a interesting three or four shots together where he runs up in the, the ambush player ducks and he just puts it right through to the upper 90. So check out my Instagram for that. Um, That's awesome. Well, it's funny. It's the, the next night, almost the same kind of goal Craig Child scored on a free kick. It wasn't quite the duck, but it was the same idea. And my, my thought was I've seen this somewhere before. Yeah, no, but that just again shows uh, Sosa's experience, veteran wiliness, you know, whatever kind of word you want to use there. But that's that's something that uh, he can do that maybe somebody else wouldn't, which is why he's taking those that's that spot. Uh, all right. Oh, and, and we can't we can't forget Nacho with two goals on on uh, Saturday, and that's not somebody you expect to score your goals. But the passing was crisp, getting him free. And uh, a big shout-out, somebody we called out on air, Ali Sadal. He's been putting in the hard work, the hard work, and and he made a great run and scored a goal on uh, Saturday. So they're getting – they're starting to get, I should say, on offense production across the board. Yeah, and that's that's a guy who – I mean, he got – I don't remember how much time he got last year, but uh, – Definitely seemed like he last year he needed to take a step up. I mean, he did, you know, it's getting that experience, the speed, the physical, uh, you know, all of that. And he's not the biggest guy in the world, 
I mean, he's, you know, not short, but he's also a toothpick. So, well, then on the other hand, big guys, big Mike, a goal in each of the games and, and finding the, the back post being the right place, right time, almost identical goals sitting there on the back post. So he's starting to find his groove now. And so if the Comets can get that kind of production across the board, then we're going to start seeing what we saw this weekend, seven goals Friday, seven goals Saturday, and not so much the four goals that we were seeing earlier in the season. Yeah, very true. Um, De Silva, I know I talked to him in preseason, and he was uh, he's a guy, I, he was telling me about how he was healthy like the first year he was with the Comets when he was on loan during the pandemic. Last year he had a lot of issues, vertigo and some other stuff, uh, more physical injuries. But he he was telling me how he felt like he was going. To, he was back to what he was that couple years ago. So it's good to see him kind of getting in that groove, like you said. Again, giving Leo options of who to play in different spots is good, and maybe Leo having more opportunity to not play as many minutes and just take the minutes that where the veteran experience will will come into play more. Well, I mean, there's a name we haven't mentioned is Rion Marks. So Rion Marks made his season debut on Saturday night. He's always a handful when he gets in. We knew he wasn't 100% in terms of total fit, but fit enough to score a goal, make uh, create challenges, mismatch challenges with defense. And, and what Nick Vassos and I saw on air is he can get back to the position of holding up the ball. There's enough options there in the midfield guys running off of him where he can hold the ball lay it off and and we could start seeing goals spread across the roster yeah he's uh i would hate to play against him <laughs> the size and stuff and uh ability he can turn a, a defender it's going to take somebody that's pretty strong to keep uh to keep him from being able to at least get shots off in that goal uh, let's see anything else that stood out from the weekend for those two games more consistency on offense, which I think is good because that had been lacking. I think you're right that Leo now has some decisions, particularly as with Marks coming in full into the lineup, how many regular shifts does Leo have to play versus power play and power play kill? There are enough options coming back that that, that some of the players missing. You didn't mention uh, Lucia Tetsane, who missed Saturday night. Yep. You're going to have players banged up, but I think there's enough talent to overcome it. The only other thing that we're still waiting to see on that is whether we we see visa relief for some of the players who've been in uh, visa purgatory. Let's call it that. I would say every week we hear, oh, it's close or there's another step taken. Uh, again, I've heard that there's another step taken and we might see those guys this month. That's again, well, I don't I'm not saying that's a absolute 100 percent news, but that's let's just say that's the rumor that I heard. So. So stay tuned. Yeah, I will. I will try to confirm that soon. But I there's a, there was other stuff going on that they needed to focus on the last couple of days, which I guess we could probably transition into that. What do you think? Let's do that. The inaugural MASL college draft was today. The Comets picked the ninth. There was three rounds. The first two rounds were regional only picks. The third round was you could pick anywhere, but it looks like a lot of teams still stayed regional. The um, But it would, took place today, and the Comets have three players, one of them whom you pretty well know. I do. Which order do you want to go first round, second round, third round, or you want to start a third round and move up? 
Well, uh, let's just let's go in order here. First round. Uh, John Big, Klein. Yeah, John Klein the third. So, longtime Comets fans may recognize the name John Klein. So his dad played uh, for the Comets in the ninety ninety one season. Went uh, from there to St. Louis Storm. Wound up becoming the coach at Columbia College. The college coach and Nicola Neto, and so. St. Louis University has had a decades-long, generations-long record of producing professional players. And with uh, this draft, we have another Klein possibility of coming in the pros. Here's the, the kicker. He's eligible for the MLS Super Draft, which is Wednesday of this week. So we'll see if any of the MLS teams pick him. The, the catch is with the rules in this league that the Comets will retain drafted player rights through December 1st, 2023. So it's a calculated risk for the Comets, but it's an opportunity to at least see if there's hope to sign him, if not this season, next season. So that, uh, that sort of Klein in a nutshell, he was uh, – Co-offensive player of the year in the Atlantic 10 Conference. Uh, Brian Budzinski, the Comets managing partners, talked with me about him already and was eyeballing him in the draft. So I wasn't terribly surprised that that he was their number one pick. Yeah, it, and I like the pick. He's, uh, like you said, is a little bit of a, a risk taking him. He could end up getting drafted by an MLS team. He could, if he doesn't get drafted by an MLS team, he could get signed by a USL team. And that might see what his uh, future holds from there, but it's a good, it's a good risk. It's a good, uh, it's a good pick. If he's a talented player, uh, he's about five, seven, not very, not, not very huge, but I think he would be one of those guys who would very well fit into a Comets midfield and the, his passing ability uh, setting up plays would be excellent. And it'd be another, I would I would love to have another former Comets relative kid playing in the in the league. Since we talk about that a lot, you mentioned uh, Doug McLaughlin, Kyle McLaughlin, this generational thing that seems to happen not only with the Comets but across indoor soccer. Yeah, the, I mean, then we again we need to do a pod just on that one day on the the generations of players who have played. All right, the next player, and. So from UMKC, Arnie Newfang, I saw him play once or twice. He's a midfielder. He was academic all-conference this season. Prior season, he was all Summit League second team. German midfielder. What uh, Budzinski said is when they scouted him, they really appreciated his mentality and technical ability. And so this team is built for technical players. And so I think there's an opportunity here to take a look at him in terms of how he might fit in. We saw Lucas Souza make that transition from college to, to pros, a very technical midfield player. And we'll see if, if new fan can do the same thing. Yeah. And I've seen him play a couple of times, like, like you have, uh, and I don't want to say he stood out as the best player on the field, but he definitely stood out as a player that could make that leap into indoor or to, uh, you know, maybe even some of the lower divisions and outdoor. Uh, again, another good pick. I don't know a ton about him, but just I remember seeing him play and not bad. Now, I know the third pick, you know, really well. I do know really well. So Jacob Jones, a forward from Park University, 
I can say a lot about him. Let me start by saying he has been working out with the Comets. He has. And so he and he has uh familiarity with indoor. He's a goal scorer. He has incredible work rate. He's a great teammate. Uh, I could say a lot about him. It's just sort of a, a question of where all the pieces fit in, how many roster spots are available, how much playing time is available. I'm a big fan of his, uh, having called a bunch of his games here at Park University. I uh, I saw him in uh, training with the, the team several times this year. Uh, when they had inter-squad scrimmages, and he was a guy that I was texting to Bud saying, "Are we going to sign that guy?" And I don't—I didn't even know where he was from. I just was watching him play. There was actually two or three guys that stood out to me in that had been training with the Comets. And again, they—they they always have these guys who train with them while they're in college or just off-season and stuff. And they uh they signed one of those guys that I was asking about and he was what definitely one of the other guys I was questioning and hoping that he might might get signed so I like that they drafted him so that shows that they at least want to keep his rights and keep uh you know keep anybody else from stealing him that's right just in the off mention yeah. uh I mentioned uh the other they they signed one of those players that was Jacob Garza who so Jacob Garza I can talk a little bit about he did dress on Saturday night played high school soccer at Park Hill South. So I got to see him play there and he played a year for us at Park University. He can play both up in the attack as well as defense. And he's somebody who's a serious gym rat. So if you stand next to him, his arms are pretty big. He takes yeah. his physical fitness seriously, as does James Togba. And so he uh, had been working out with the team last year Nothing kind of panned out, and then he tried it again, and uh, and he was in the lineup on Saturday night. Didn't get any playing time, but definitely was dressed. I thought he did get a couple, of, like uh, one shift at the very beginning, like near did the he? beginning. I was thinking I he did. Uh, it, yeah, okay. Uh, and that, that's I, I could be wrong, but I, I maybe I saw McDonald Nick McDonald's blonde hair out there, but I, was, right. I thought it was Jacob, but. If if not, I apologize. But he uh, he's a guy who stood out in the training because he was uh, he was always doing the the really hard work in training. I mean, not that you no know, everybody else wasn't doing the hard work, but he was just doing every little bit of it. Uh, it if you if you know a lot about soccer, you, teams practice a some kind of version of rondo, which you know five guys on the outside, two guys in the middle, or some various versions of that. And he was excellent at just. At, at pressing guys and taking balls off of them and stuff like that. So he would, to me, he would have been an ideal, uh, the defensive runner kind of guy like mm -hmm. uh, Christian Andereos, Andereos. Um, he would be in that kind of same mold, at least for, you know, the, to get into the team and work his way into getting more time. That would be the role that I would see him at. Uh, Jacob Jones, on the other hand, I would see him definitely being more of a guy on the offense, you know, scoring, you know, setting up, he he was just he was very good at like getting off those shots in training. So, yeah, and I I think what's great is there's a talent pipeline which Comets fans should love to see. That if all these pieces can come together, it's going to increase competition for playing time. Should raise everybody's level, and then that gives the coaching staff some hard choices in terms of who makes the who makes the lineup game in game out. Yeah, I think there's so much talent here for that the Comets have scouted. They need to have their own MASL2 team. What do you think? 
I think you should invite Brian Budzinski on as a guest at a future podcast and see what he says. Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's already a plan. So we'll we'll work on that. I just I'll have to have a list of questions though to put him on the spot on a pod. Right. Not give and, him chances. He's, he's not afraid to share how he feels. So no, no. Yep. The uh let's see, anything else that stood out from the draft? There was uh let me pull that back up. We well, yeah, couple... I mean, so so let's let's talk a little bit about format because you can see how that played out with the selection. So round one and round two were territorial, which meant that teams were limited to drafting players who had either played high school, college, or had residency in their states. And so you see, as an example, Mesquite Outlaws draft, drafting somebody from Texas, Milwaukee drafting a goalie from the University of Wisconsin. Once you get into the third round, then it was wide open. But it seemed like a lot of schools drafted within their their circles. So Dallas drafted Roman Knox from SMU. You had players getting drafted from neighboring states. There were there were all sorts of options there. And um, how many of these players wind up signing? We'll see. It was kind of like the combine. You have the rights in this case for another year till next December. And we'll see how many of these players cut in right away. The other thing that the way they're doing the draft this year, that is it's in the middle of the academic year. So some of these players will still theoretically be in school next semester. Right. Some players may be graduated already, and that might have an impact on, on player availability. Yeah, it's interesting that they chose this time to do it, but I uh, I have not heard the logic for that yet. Well, I think that uh, you know, if you want to go back, since, since Nick and I like talking about the NPSL days, this is more or less when the NPSL scheduled it. And we said on air that this was the week that Nate Hauser got drafted when he came out of Baker University and Wichita drafted him the next day, Wichita traded him to the Kansas City attack and he immediately got into the lineup. And so it, it's not that they haven't done it before. MLS is doing their super draft tomorrow. So that may have had an impact on the timing as well. So it, it gives them an opportunity to get viewed by these players and, and leagues are competing for talent. So they may have decided this is a good opportunity. And particularly since they gave teams the right to those players for another year, even if, if you have guys who are intending to graduate in May, that doesn't preclude them from signing next fall. Oh, absolutely. Um, you mentioned Roman Knox was drafted by Dallas. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to throw that out. He was the son of a former Comet player. Also Tommy Knox. I'm Knox. That's right. And he was also a Sporting KC Academy player. So there's all sorts of connections. And uh, Utica took Leroy Inzaguzzi. I, I probably butchered that name again. Yep. But he is a player that also played for the Sporting KC Academy. So and the interesting one that, that caught me on him, too, is he played at Drake, which is in Iowa, which is where uh, Utica coach Everton had been living coaching before he he had headed to, to New York State, so it made sense that they picked somebody that he would have watched play in college. Oh, yeah, I did not realize that. That's a really good point. Um, 
he was also drafted by Nashville in MLS last year mm-hmm. in 2021. So he's a guy who definitely has the talent to to perform in the league. Uh, he was a guy I liked watching when he was with Sporting Academy. Uh, he got some time with the Sporting 2 team. And I was actually, I think he's a guy if he'd have stayed with Sporting 2, he might have had a chance to make a career in USL at the minimum. But he went to college. So we'll see how that uh, turns out for him. But he's a he's a guy I was really high on four years ago. All right, anything stand out? <clears throat> Excuse me. No, other than other than we'll see who signs. So some teams made a, a fairly big slash spa, uh, splash on social media announcing their picks, and uh, we'll see in the next couple weeks how many of these get converted not only to contracts but also to playing time. And that's that's always the question. Was anybody coming out of college, how quick do they adapt to the indoor game anyway? Uh, I quite honestly expect the vast majority of these players to make more of an impact. If if they even make any impact, it'll be in next season more than this season. So it's just because even if you're a great player, you have to you have to learn the game enough to make a difference. That's right. That's right. And and not all of these players have had the luxury of having indoor soccer facilities in their cities that where they could play in the off season. And so you talk about somebody like a Jacob Jones constantly at the soccer dome, Jacob Garza has played at the soccer dome too. And so in in some of these cities, college players have fairly significant indoor experience already from their club level or just playing in house leagues, whereas other players this is a, a brand new opportunity. Yeah. Even guys who have a fair amount of indoor experience, it's it's a help, obviously, but it's still a big step going from showing up and playing with a, a club team to playing with a professional level and understanding the different strategies. Absolutely. It, uh, but it, it's uh it's I'm I'm loving that MASL has done that, is doing the MA, uh, college draft now. We'll, uh, we'll have to see how that pans out for the next year or so. Let's see. Do we have any other news that we want to talk about today, Eric? Well, I I made a lot of fans in Milwaukee over the last uh, few days. We could talk about that. All right. So it's uh, one of our favorite – I want to use the quotes there. Favorite players, Derek Huffman, has uh, gotten a suspension and an undisclosed fine. And would you like to tell us why? Well, is why an existential question that, or <laughs> or maybe maybe this should walk through what happened. So you might recall that there was an altercation, an incident in Kansas City last season involving Derek Huffman and Nicolau Neto. Nicolau Neto wasn't playing. The league suspended Derek Huffman, and then he came back off suspension. That was a five-game suspension. And so Fast forward to this season, big dramatic game, Kansas City and Milwaukee had gone to overtime the previous weekend. I think it's fair to say that words were shared on the field. You might, uh, you mentioned Lucas Sosa getting amped up for Milwaukee, scored the game winning goal, then took off his shirt and kind of did it in front of Milwaukee bench. Milwaukee coaches and players weren't happy and words were said and then you knew the rematch was coming. Milwaukee's cruising. Kansas City comes back. Huffman scores the game-winning goal. 
for his hat trick. He's named the player of the match. He's on the field, post-game interview. Then he chooses to say something uh, directly about Kansas City, let's say. It was directed at the Comets. It wasn't directed at the city. And that was it. The league announced on Monday a one-game suspension and undisclosed fine for that activity. And let's just say that some Milwaukee fans were not happy about it, were not happy about the logic, said that Kansas City players have routinely said things to fans up there. I decided maybe I should wade into this discussion. And I've seen video. Let's just say there's a difference between cell phone video, Thad, there's a difference between what happens in the corners and what happens on the field in a totally organized post-game or halftime video. And so the league chose to make a decision. We don't know all the details about the logic in terms of how this relates back to last season's suspension and uh, clearly – there's some hard feelings uh, in Milwaukee. The uh, fans were suggesting that maybe they should get T-shirts made with with Huffman's quote on there. You might uh, recall that, that Milwaukee is scheduled to come back to Kansas City on January 21st for what will be the alumni reunion game. And so it's going to be loud in there in uh, Cable Dahmer Arena and they still have four games to play each other. They played twice already, four yep. more, and it just feels like everything is is amping up. Fans are upset both ways. Nick and I talked about this on air in terms of Milwaukee fans already being upset about Neto, Kansas City fans being upset about Huffman, and and the feelings are starting to permeate. And so – we get a little bit of break from this, but we're going to come back in 2023 and, and circle on the calendar that January 21st cable Dom arena. I think that that's going to be loud and wild. And, uh, you know, some people will say this is good for the league. You mentioned on the last uh, podcast episode, your thoughts about villains and, and whether the league needs them or not. Well, where have we come since that last episode, Thad Bell? All right. Let's uh let me let me start with this off. I am not a fan of Huffman. I've not liked him basically the entire time he's been in the league, and I would be quite happy if he wasn't in the league. I'm just I'm not a fan of him. But when it comes down to what he said, which was Kansas City sucks. Okay. I know you I it's not a bad word. I'm like, it's not swearing. I know, according to the phrasing, he is on a strict probation. I don't know if that's like an animal house, double secret probation kind of thing. That's not secret, I guess. But that of anything that could have done, anything that could have happened, anything that could have been said, that was about the mildest thing that could have really said. And he's he's amped up and playing to his crowd, right? And this is one of those, if he was playing for San Diego or Baltimore or Florida, he's going to play to his crowd. I get that, right? And after a tough game down here and then a big win there, 
that is like, I don't know what was in the terms of that probation, that super secret, strict. Okay, it wasn't secret. Doing hyperbole, but the strict probation. Could he not say anything negative ever? Is could he didn't could he not say I hate that hate that team that I play against? I don't get that part. So even though I don't like the guy, I think this is a slightly unfair suspension. So let me. I'm not disagreeing with you. Let me just sort of offer my perspective. I've been consistent on air what I think being fair to Derek Huffman in terms of his game, we've talked yes. in very glowing terms about, about what he brings to that Milwaukee wave team. I think we've done it consistently. I even interviewed him the halftime segment at the, the game that took place, the incident in Kansas city. My issue is more with the Milwaukee fans than it is with Derek Huffman or the league, which is, it's easy how fans in any team in any sport want to circle the wagons and defend their own players. Yeah. But if this had been something happening with a Kansas city player, a Baltimore player, a Florida player, there would have been a very different reaction. And so I am not privy to what the terms were with the league that has not been announced. The fine was undisclosed, but in one of the Facebook groups, someone from Milwaukee might have, inadvertently or advertently if that's a word <laughs> announce the 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 level of the fine but i think moving forward ultimately now he's going to have to figure out what his limits are in terms of what he can or what he can't do what he showed to me on the field on friday night is he's somebody who can change the game and we, we've seen it with him laying off passes we've seen him with it scoring and Milwaukee is a better team with Derek Huffman on the field. So whatever it's going to take to keep him on the field, that's in the his best interest as a as a person and as a as a player, and it's in the team's best interest. Yeah. It, again, if I was if I owned a team, if I ran a team, if I was the general manager for a team, he would probably not be on my team. He, but that's not denying his ability and talent. And I understand why teams would want him on their team. Just based upon some of the stuff he's done in the past, he's just not been a player that I admire in any way, shape or form that again, that doesn't, I always try to, I try to look at each incident as each incident, right? So if there's a pattern of something, but this is that he's had a pattern of stupid behavior in the past, but this is the least stupid thing he's done in my experience um uh, it, it seemed it just doesn't seem justified in regards but again we don't know what was in the terms of his probation so so this is reminding me a lot of 1980s wrestling in terms of where we're going with heroes and heels fans getting all excited and it's pretty easy to flip between booing a heel and cheering for a hero and i'm just waiting for the steel cage matches to come into some arenas because it, it sort of has this vibe this season and and i think otherwise we're seeing competitive exciting soccer i think i i came back this weekend from the st louis kansas city game and caught the end of monterey chihuahua and that was fantastic teams have gotten better Monterey's been or excuse me Mesquite's been surprising in, in a really good way and so I think that this league has elevated from last year to this year 
but we have all this drama circulating or and kind of fueling what we're discussing. Right. And I'm one that traditionally doesn't want to talk about the drama as much because I want to talk about the games. I want to talk about the players who great performances or players who need to step up or the tactics or changing up lines or who might make it, you know, who's the next one to come out, whatever. That's why I'm not necessarily in, in favor of all the, the, the villains and heroes aspect of it, but it still comes down to this was news. And I, again, I, I admit my dislike for Huffman, but at the same time, I'm defending what he did in that particular one. If, honestly, if I was him in that particular situation, I might have said the same thing. And hopefully I wouldn't have dropped any other more level of profanity or anything, but I don't blame him for that. So I, yeah. at least I'm, at least I think I feel like I'm intellectually honest. I'm defending him for That's something good. for a guy I don't like. That's good. So back to soccer. There, <laughs> yes. uh, there's limited games this week. So so Baltimore and Florida play twice. Comets are off. They'll be practicing this week. But big week that we'll look ahead to next, next week. Thursday night home game against Monterey, which for me is one of the top teams in the league. And that will be a battle. Get a little bit of breather on Friday and then take the bus to St. Charles for another matchup against the ambush. And I keep saying that they've got to win on the road. So Monterey is going to be really tough at home on Thursday and, and they absolutely have to get some points at St. Louis on Saturday next week. But before that, everybody enjoy their holidays and uh, injured players feel better because that next week is going to require a lot from a lot of players. Hopefully the uh, hopefully the injured players, hopefully the players waiting on visa news will all be good and ready to play. Maybe they'll get a, an early Christmas present. We'll see. Let's hope. And uh, hopefully we'll be back next week with a, at least a preview of those two games when we have a little more knowledge of a little more official knowledge of some of the stuff going on. Sounds great. Great to talk to you again, Eric. And thanks to everybody for listening to the Blue Turf. And uh, leave us some comments if we are doing what you want us to do. So we're out.